new government regulations, which were created to protect employees, are actually hurting them. It's regulation after regulation. Until the government understands that they have to create an environment suitable for us to keep growing, we're going to stay in this recession a long time. The federal government has blocked efforts to expand the ride-sharing The owners say the restaurant has succumbed to the crush of government regulation. We have seen an unprecedented explosion of new regulatory $1.8 trillion. That's how much business and bus companies to close. I think there are outdated regulations that need to be changed. There is red tape that needs to be cut. The regulations are... There's a regulation that doesn't make any sense. Why do you keep... Is this really the best we can do? This is Free Lunch, the podcast of the Federalist Society's Regulatory Transparency Project. All expressions of opinion on this podcast are those of the speakers. Welcome to the Federalist Society's inaugural Teleforum conference call for the Regulatory Transparency Project. This call is designed to cover the what and why of this new project and will later be made available as a downloadable podcast. I'm Dean Reuter, Vice President, General Counsel, and Director of Practice Groups here at the Federalist Society. For anyone listening who is new to the Federalist Society programs, I will note that the Federalist Society takes no position on particular legal or public policy initiatives, and therefore, all expressions of opinion are those of the speakers on today's call. Today, we're very pleased to welcome Ambassador C. Boyden Gray. He's the founding partner of Boyden Gray & Associates and chairman of the Regulatory Transparency Project's Agency Enforcement and Coercion Working Group. We're also joined by Devin Westhill. He's director of the Regulatory Transparency Project at the Federalist Society. I'm going to turn it over to Devin to get us started. After opening remarks from each of our speakers, we're going to be uh, engaging the audience with Q&A, so please be ready with your questions. With that, Devin Westhill, the floor is yours. Thank thank you very much, Dean. Uh, First and foremost, I want to thank our audience, our listeners who are um, on, on the call today at this early hour. This is uh, atypical for these teleforms, and uh, quite frankly, the, the project here is, is atypical, so it, it fits nicely, and, and uh, a special thanks to any West Coast friends that are on the call this early. Um, I also want to give a special thank you to Ambassador Gray, who's been very generous with his time uh, in volunteering with the project. As Dean mentioned, he's the chairman of one of our working groups on this project, and is also, uh, as um, Dean has mentioned, is, is on the call for our inaugural podcast call. So, um, Ambassador Gray, we're very deep, deep, deeply grateful for, for your participation. I'm going to attempt here to limit my remarks to allow for more time for Ambassador Gray and uh, audience questions. So, um, let, me, let me just get started and say that I'll cover sort of two things. First, I want to cover a 30,000 foot view of what we're doing with the project, uh, why we're doing it. Uh, and also a ground-level view. Sort of the 30,000-foot view, I'll just read very briefly our our mission statement for the project, um, which gives a good segue into everything else I'll say. Uh, So despite the best of intentions, government regulation can fail, can stifle innovation, can foreclose opportunity, and can harm the most vulnerable among us. It is for precisely these reasons that we must be diligent in reviewing how our policies either succeed or fail us and think about how we might improve on them. Um, that, that essentially is the mission statement for this project, and I'll unpack that uh, really quickly. Um, as a part of this project, we've convened some focus groups around the country to discuss regulation, uh, find out what average, intelligent lay people think about regulation, um, 
And it always seems to be the case that everyone agrees across the ideological divide that they want clean air, they want clean water, safe food, safe medication. Um, and they think that we're getting that from, uh, from regulation. And these are all laudable goals, of course, but it's also typically the only thing that gets any attention in our public dialogue. What's lacking is what this is costing us. Um, we believe that all too often over-regulation or the excesses of regulation or rules uh, at all levels of government stifle innovation, productivity, and ultimately the American dream. So um, um, I, I liken this to uh, the, the phrase that was popularized by Milton Friedman, uh, that there's no such thing as a free lunch. That being, it's impossible to get something from nothing, although it would appear, based on our public discourse of regulation, that that's exactly what we're getting. What we want to do with this project is to discuss what this is costing us. Um, ultimately, in the long term, what we'd like to do with this project is invigorate uh, our communities, affect attitudes and values as it pertains to uh, the, the benefits and the costs of regulation and weigh those to see whether or not what we're getting actually makes sense based on the cost. Um, so hopefully we'll start a conversation based uh, on some of the things that we're doing with this project. Um, and you'll, you'll, you'll see that this isn't really a partisan or ideological issue. It really is a good government issue. We're, we're hopeful that if we do the on the ground things properly, this will ensure American ingenuity, prosperity, innovation, opportunity, uh, and again, really the American dream endures. Um, this benefits everyone. I should note as well that this project was conceived um, and sort of launched as well uh, uh, before the election back in November. So, but it, it bears sort of noting that we have some long-term goals with this, this project. Those are sort of the most important, starting to uh, discuss around the country the actual costs and burdens uh, of regulation, not just the benefits or um, you know, purported benefits and weighing them together. But given the current political uh, climate, it bears noting that there could potentially be some immediate uh, uh, hard look at, at regulations that, that are causing great harm. So um, wasn't expected, we're expecting a different political climate at this time, but, um, um, and, and it's not in any way our, our target to have immediate impact, but it, it bears noting that that could happen. Um, next, I wanna go to sort of the ground level action items for the project and I'll, I'll leave it there. So the ground level, action items are two-pronged for the project. I, I liken it to uh, building a building. Um, first, you have to lay the foundation. It needs to be sturdy enough and sufficient to hold the, the greater structure that you'll, you'll, you'll put place on it. The foundation for this project is our intellectual material. Over the last year, we've assembled a team of experts working on 12 different uh, working groups with specific 
subject areas. We have a group, for example, looking at the Food and Drug Administration and healthcare, another group looking at energy and regulation of the environment, um, among others. What these 12 working groups have done over the last year is prepared papers on the different topics uh, that they believe are the most burdensome and for which we're getting the least benefit from, and that require serious scrutiny. Uh, they've coupled these with stories of real-life harm out in the country. Um, what we hope to do with that intellectual foundation is to speak out. That really is the structure of the project. That is the bigger part of the, the project, speaking out about what we've, uh, what we've done intellectually here. Um, this podcast, for example, takes the, one of the first forms of that public uh, speaking out, uh, there'll be many more podcasts. We also have a mini video series that will feature experts discussing the specific issues that we've identified as being the most burdensome uh, and really in need of, of scrutiny. Um, these videos and these podcasts will also feature entrepreneurs, innovators, really average Americans telling their story of how regulation or overweening regulatory policy has, has impacted them. Uh, in addition to this, there'll be a number of other uh, different structure building components, uh, our, speaker, our, our, our experts will be out doing media interviews, uh, debating and presenting on these issues, uh, and really unique for the Federalist Society uh, in particular, will be producing, should be available in about two years towards the, uh, the, the initial end of this first segment of the project, a, a feature length, full length uh, feature documentary. Um, we're hoping that that component of the project really gets the most eyeballs on it, uh, so to speak. It's the one that we really will pack with the best stories, the best ideas that we come up with uh, over uh, this year's long project. So uh, with that, let me stop. That's a sort of a 30,000-foot view from, uh, from the Federal Society about the project and also a ground level, here's what we're doing to make that happen. Uh, sort of overview. I'll end my remarks now. Uh, turn it over to Ambassador Gray. I know that he um, has uh, quite a few things to say about why the project is important to him, why it makes sense that we're undertaking it uh, right now. So thank you. <clears throat> thank you, Devin. Um, the timing of this, I think, is very, very good. Remember um, the basic premise Devin talked about, which is that um, in the views of many, and I'm included among those, uh, the, the regulatory state, the administrative state, um, is probably the biggest wet blanket on economic growth of all the things that the government does. Uh, I would, of course, do anything to get the corporate tax rate down, but I really think that the regulatory uh, uncertainty and intervention and intrusiveness is even more of a uh, inhibition to um, the opportunities that that we really have. When this project was conceived, it was not clear who was going to win the election. Probably um, viewed uh, from the point of view of uh, Hillary winning and, and and Trump not. It turns out that uh, Trump won, and he has launched a very successful. Um, any regulatory uh, review 
um, so far, attention has been focused on other uh, matters in terms of granular uh, opposition, if you will, from, say, say, proponents of the administrative state and proponents of big regulation. Once this program gets well underway and regs start to uh, disappear, some already have through the Congressional Review Act, um, but as, as, as the regulatory machinery winds down, there's going to be more and more opposition, and this project is going to provide illustration why uh, there should be a wind down, there should be a cutback, should be a rationalization, and should be a much more careful attention, much more careful attention to making sure that when regulations are issued that the that the benefits exceed the cost, which is not often the case, unfortunately. Uh, the premise behind this is therefore economic, but there is a there is a constitutional um, uh, or philosophical and philosophical angle, which is that the larger the government gets, the more intrusive it gets. Bigger moral hazard it becomes in terms of drying up in individual initiative, community uh, response, uh, and it really does begin to encroach on our liberty. So we're looking at pro we're looking at projects, looking at at, at issues that um, illustrate this uh, impingement on our liberty and this wet blanket on our economic growth. Uh, back in the Reagan years, uh, when I was deeply involved with deregulation, we had um, the benefit of one of the great, greatest storytellers in American political history, <clears throat> and Reagan told wonderful stories about the stupidity, irrationality, and, and, and hopelessness of uh, many of the regulations. We hope to try to reduce some of the jargon-filled, abstract descriptions of what regulations are supposed to do into common sense, ordinary, easily understood um, uh, portrayals of, of how the regulatory process um, uh, really messes things up. Things like uh, turning EPA's turning their authorization to deal with uh, with the navigable waters of the United States, uh, how they turn that into authority to worry about individual ponds, and even um, uh, treat your backyard as a wetland if it's if it's damp for a certain amount uh, of inches below the surface. Um, Joni Ernst, Senator Ernst, uh, gave an example uh, in one of the hearings of her state. She showed a map of the state of Iowa. It's a, it's basically square up in the left northwest corner. Uh, you can see some green where there are some lakes, but the entire state is painted red because under the current definition by EPA of the waters of the United States, the entire state is a wetland, um, which of course is comical. It's, it's, it's funny. Only it's not so funny because uh, all of these activities that EPA engages in are uh, limits to to expansion, to growth, to uh, construction of new 
manufacturing facilities or expansions of hospitals or expansions of schools. And we are trying to bring to life uh, for the American public uh, the real-life um, implications of what the agencies do. They typically try to shroud <clears throat> the explanation of what is happening in, the, in the, the most refined jargon you can imagine. Sometimes it takes a physicist to understand what EPA uh, is doing. Um, it's impenetrable for most Americans. And the stories we want to bring are, are stories that make it more easily understood. And I can give you uh, a couple of quick examples. Um, the uh, Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, a creature of the Dodd-Frank law, <coughs> has no political accountability whatsoever. The president can't control it. The Congress can't control it because the Fed pays the bill and the Fed is prohibited from intervening. And the courts tell... The Congress has told the courts to tell how to, uh, to let the CFPB interpret the law any way it wants. Some 18 statutes, it's, it takes over from a dozen agencies. Uh, it's really an amazing institution. Uh, the head of it was once asked to testify, and it turned out that they had spent $700 million on their renovation of their headquarters, and uh, the, one of the congresswomen asked, the head, Cordray, um, who was in charge of this rather lavish renovation, and his response was, what does it matter to you? Uh, I've never heard a more insolent, insubordinate response uh, constitutional to uh, a perfectly legitimate question, but that's the attitude, and the agencies have gone off and done things uh, for which there never was any clear authorization and for which we are paying a huge price. And one of the principal results is um, agencies having now so much power that they can basically tell, uh, blackmail, uh, uh, frighten uh, their subjects into agreeing to do what the agency, agencies want without, uh, while giving up their... Um, the right to challenge what the agency um, has done in court. And seeking judicial review of agency action is, is mom is apple pie. Um, it, it's the use of the First Amendment. It's protected by the Administrative Procedure Act passed decades ago. Uh, but it really is, is, is a lot less meaningful today than it used to be because agencies threaten uh, the subjects, if you want to challenge us, just wait till you see the next rig uh, we throw at you. And this has created um, a concentration of industry, which is very, very bad. Industries tend to consolidate in order to, 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 to amass their power to push back, and the agencies get bigger themselves, and so you have this queasy, um, uh, sort of cozy, at the same time, alliance of big business and big government, and um, you can see how uh, Trump could generate support uh, where these these um, big entities uh, cut out uh, the little farmer, the little this, the little that. Community banks are, are horribly threatened by the power that the 
regulatory system gives to the big banks. That cuts out uh, lending to small entities, uh, venture capital, and that's the seed corn of our future growth, and that's being really compromised by what is going on. And so we're going to try to give examples of how this works, of how uh, the agencies uh, threaten, and how they um, how they basically uh, uh, interfere with the free operation of a free market, which is what has given us uh, such tremendous uh, economic opportunity um, over the last 200 years. So I'll stop there and, and see what questions there, uh, there might be. Very good. Uh, this is Dean Reuter again. Let's open the floor to questions. In a moment, we'll all hear an announcement that will say the floor mode is on. After you hear that announcement, if you have a question, push the star button and then the pound button on your telephone. So once again, if you have a, a question, push the star button and then the pound button on your telephone. While we wait to see who rings in, let me make a quick announcement about this Regulatory Transparency Project Teleforum series. Um, future Teleforum conference calls for the, for the RTP project will be announced in the usual fashion for Federal Society members, but will also be announced on the project website. Uh, that's regproject.org, R-E-G project.org. Uh, so to find future uh, Teleform calls in this series, Regulatory Transparency Project, check in with regproject.org. Today, of course, we're happy to take your questions. We've, we'll begin with three questions. If you'd like to join the queue, push the star button, then the pound button on your telephone. Let's take our first call of the day. Hi, uh, my name is Devin Watkins uh, at the Cato Institute, and I am just trying to understand the project a little bit better. Uh, maybe you could explain uh, a little bit more of the kind of activities you'll be doing. I mean, I understand the, the problems with the regulatory state and the regulations going on. I'm just wondering exactly how you plan to combat them. Sounds like a, a question for Devin Westhill. Devin, you mentioned you're collecting these examples. Uh, what, what's happening with, with, with the material you collect? Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, Devin. Um, so the project is um, has many different components, and uh, more than happy to go in, in depth about these components. But uh, let me just uh, uh, sort of check off a few uh, and let you know what we're doing with them. So I, I mentioned before that we'll have these podcasts uh, somewhere in the range, probably over the next couple of years, of a hundred of them, um, or these telephone calls, which will be converted into podcasts um, and available. On our website, uh, we'll have a mini video series, uh, approximately 20 videos um, highlighting specific issues um, with, with experts, um, uh, breaking those issues down and, uh, into a, a very non-technical uh, explanation. I, I appreciate Ambassador Gray mentioning that's part of the project. What, what we want to do is not talk in sort of legal jargon. Uh, we, we want to talk to, to regular, intelligent, engaged people. So um, those will also be available uh, on our website. Uh, uh, as Dean mentioned, it's our regproject.org. Um, in addition, our, and, and probably most importantly, or at least partly uh, uh, sort of at, at the forefront of what we're doing, uh, as I mentioned, the, the structure of building, uh, or, or the, the, the metaphor of building, uh, building a building or building a home, uh, the most important thing that we're doing is getting our network of lawyers, 
uh, and of experts actually working formally on the project out and talking to the media and talking to people about what we're doing. Um, there are a number of other things that, that, that we're doing uh, in that vein. Uh, so our normal Federal Society programming debates uh, and presentations around the country, um, and as I mentioned, uh, a documentary that we're hopeful will get very broad um, sort of coverage. Um, but I, I, I mentioned uh, the, the website as really a collection point for everything that, that we're going to be producing. So uh, beginning on June 12th, it sort of is a, a web page at the moment. You can certainly go there, sign up for updates uh, whenever we're posting content or if there have been uh, any changes with the project. But that is a place where um, it would be a repository for all of the intellectual material that we have, our papers uh, and, and, and written uh, work product, as well as our podcasts, our, our video series, all of that will be contained on that website. In addition to that, the website is functioning as a two-way street. Uh, again, beginning on June 12th, once we do a, a full launch of our more complex website, uh, anyone can go to the website and share with us a topic uh, or an idea for a regulation or rule that we ought to dig a little deeper in, um, um, or tell a story from from you know their own you know how they've been impacted by some regulation or rule. Um, it's 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 open to everyone. So not only will we be sharing information there about what we're doing, we'll also be taking information in, and we encourage uh, everyone in our network uh, to talk with their clients or talk with their friends uh, and, and find out whether or not someone you know or whether you have yourself been impacted by the regulatory state in such a way that you think it might help this project, um, uh, you know, and help explain to, uh, you know, the average educated public that there are costs, that there's not just a free launch when it comes to regulation. I hope that answers your question, Devin. Yeah, thank you for that, Devin. I, I want to see if Boyden has anything on this point before I do that. I, I, I do know, because uh, I've talked to Devin about this before, You these programs you mentioned, they're going to be here in Washington, but they'll be throughout the country at Federal Society, uh, lawyers' chapters, and student chapters, I take it. Yeah, yeah thanks, Dean. Um, I, in, in my initial remarks, I, I know I've missed quite a lot of things, and so I appreciate all of the follow-up questioning. Um, we really want to get out of the beltway, really. We're not so much talking to Congress or talking to lawyers or policy types, uh, we're getting out around the country and talking to people um, in, in sort of a grassroots way. Um, so we will have uh, lawyers and chapter events on these topics, uh, or, or we're very hopeful that people, for example, who are interested in these things will uh, organize some events around them at student and lawyers chapter events. But we here at the Federalist Society, we'll also be getting out around the country um, holding regional events, which uh, will be uh, announced on our website and through Federalist Society normal means. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be all over the country talking about the things that uh, that we're producing here and, and, and sharing uh, what we have. Boyd, do you have anything on this? Boyd and Gray? Well, nothing very profound. The message is is to simplify um, the harm so that everybody understands it so that greater support can be generated. As I said earlier, much of what uh, Trump has started to do has been, you know, there's been a lot of distraction because of reasons that I don't need to go into. Everyone's aware of, 
a lot of the uh, controversy that's swirling around this side or the other. Uh, the regulatory uh, piece is, has gone off without really a hitch, uh, as well as the uh, nomination and confirmation of uh, Judge Gorsuch. And he's key to this, actually, is a big relationship because he's very skeptical of the paradigm of regulation which has taken over uh, this country, and the two are going to be working in tandem. Uh, so, that, But there's going to be pushback once people begin to focus on the results, which take time to work out. To undo a reg, you have to spend as much time as it, as it took to put in the reg, the rule. And so it's not going to all uh, burst into uh, a public view for several weeks, months. And this project is well-timed to lend support to what is happening, to, to, to give it a greater push, and perhaps to broaden it with what we found out uh, from ordinary citizens who begin to hear about uh, their ability to uh, complain about ways in which agencies have interfered with their lives and where they're somewhat intimidated to, uh, uh, to, 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 to call attention to it. Very good. Um, uh, Devin has mentioned that uh, we'll be uh, setting up a website where people can go and submit their suggestions for regulations or rules or any sort of government process uh, that fits the definition of this project. Um, Devin, if you want to give that information again, that would be fine. But also, we've talked a lot about the federal government. This project touches on state and local rules and regulations and processes as well. Let me just quickly add, yes, that the that the professional um, professionalization of all sorts of ordinary activities at the state level, occupational licensing, for example, is really causing a, a very, very big difficulties for individuals to start small businesses. Um, the notion that you have to go to school for six weeks or six months in order to do a flower arrangement um, might strike everyone on this call as is um, the height of, of, of hilarity, um, but it really is happening, and that that is um, that's just totally unacceptable. Um, we think the states will will begin to pull back once they understand the federal government's serious about this. So the federal government has to be a leader, even if they can't control the licensing of flower arrangers. Um, but we hope that the states will get the message. And the people in the communities where the states are operating these licensing requirements will begin to push back and uh, demand that the states uh, cut back on this kind of nonsense. Once again, if you're in the audience, if you have a question, push the star button, then the pound button on your telephone. Let's take another call now. This is Jack Park, and y'all just answered my question about uh, state-level activity, so thanks much. Okay. Thank you, Jack Park. We've got two questions pending. If you'd like to join the queue, push the star button, then the pound button on your phone. Let's take another call. Uh, yes, sir. Hi. Uh, Nathan Rogers, uh, first-year law student. And uh, I guess, you know, I guess my question is this. I mean, what – you know what are things that you know what are things that we can be doing now to try to you know try to be able to assist the project or i mean from 
you know, looking at it from, you know, just, you know, a student level, because, I mean, I know that this is something that's, that, you know, quite frankly, I mean, I think that there's not enough awareness that's being brought up to, you know, the next generation of um, legal scholars, you know, that's coming up through the ranks. Devin, you want to take a shot at that? Yeah, I think it makes sense for me to respond. Um, uh, first of all, good on you for being part of the Federal Society as, as a first-year student. I hope that you're getting, um, you know, a lot of value out of that. I know that I, I went through the student division. I, I really um, enjoyed it. Um, it's an opportunity really to air uh, or, or learn uh, and, 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 and buttress sort of uh, your, your beliefs in, in some of these areas uh, and share those with, with others. So um, the first thing I would say is, run some student events on the topics that we're coming up with. Uh, be engaged on campus about discussing uh, these issues, uh, again, through events, but also just uh, talking with your peers. Um, we're, we're going to have a lot of different topics from which you can choose from, and a lot of people who are more than willing to come to your chapter and talk about this stuff with you or debate your law professors or anyone else. Uh, so be thinking about, be thinking about that. Um, on, as I mentioned, the week of June 12th, we'll do a Sort of soft launch of our full website, we'll, we'll begin to uh, upload uh, papers that our experts have, have prepared, other different material. This podcast or this teleform will be converted into a podcast, which will be downloadable there. Um, so there'll be a lot of material there that you can, for one, engage with, figure out what is of interest to you, uh, and, and run events on it. Encourage your, your peers at other institutions to uh, run events on it, uh, on these things as well. Uh, and, and one other thing, uh, to the extent that you've been impacted by regulations such that um, you weren't able to start a business and so you have to go to law school instead. Let us know about that. Go to our website, uh, regproject.org. Um, um, starting June 12th when, when we launched the full website and share that experience with us, share that story or share that specific regulation or rule that caused, caused you harm or caused your, uh, your, your, your family member harm or your, your friend or colleague harm. Uh, we want to hear about those things. Um, and in the meantime, I mean, that, that's only a few weeks away, but in the meantime, you're more than willing or more, more than, more, more than welcome to uh, submit that sort of information to us at, um, at our email address. You can email us that at hello at regproject.org, H-E-L-L-O at regproject.org. Um, so yeah, great question and, and thank you for it. Thank you. We've got a couple other questions pending. Boyden, do you have anything on this point, or should we move to the next caller? Well, just to repeat that that um, the agencies have become very clever at cloaking, drafting their um, little horror stories in such jargon and such uh, impenetrable prose that you can't really tell uh, what is being done. And what uh, I think we're trying to do is to cut away all that stuff and say, look, this is what this is what is happening. I'll give you an example. This will never be probably written up, would not have been written up in a way that would be understandable in the mainstream media because it's it's so sort of clever uh, what the what the agencies do. But just to give an example, over half the Accepted treatments. In fact, if you don't do it, you are in trouble as a doctor. Over half the accepted treatments in heart care and cancer uh, come from um, uh, the use of drugs for which the drugs were not specifically approved.
that is they're called off-label use. It is perfectly legal for a doctor to prescribe a drug for an off-label use purpose, and indeed if he doesn't, in many cases, he's in trouble because that is the standard care of treatment. And we can find out about it only because the drug gets approved once and it gets used, and all of a sudden we figure out, gee whiz, it has several, maybe many other uh, very, very positive applications. But, but the FDA doesn't really like this because they feel it's getting out of their control. So what they do, uh, what they what they do is they uh, punish uh, companies for advertising, if you will, for for trying to spread the news that drug A, B, C, or D can cure X, Y, and Z for which it was not uh, originally uh, tested, and um, that's when the, the feds kick in, and if they can find uh, illicit advertising of an unapproved use of a drug, nevertheless, despite the fact that that use is, is the standard of care for cancer treatment, uh, they will then threaten uh, the drug company with what, what they call a debarment, that is, if we get you and prove that you have illicitly advertised this off-label use, we will prohibit you from selling uh, into Medicare or Medicaid. Well, for many companies, that's basically their business, so it kills the company. And no company is going to risk its entire existence on contesting something that, even if it's right about, it can afford, it cannot afford to lose. And there's always a risk of losing. So the federal government gets what it wants, and what it does is it extracts huge fines, upwards of a billion dollars, and that goes into a special slush fund, and God knows where that money goes, but it's not controlled by Congress, it's not controlled by any politically accountable body, and it's, and it's, just, it's just a form of, of rank, uh, rank blackmail to say nothing of the lives that it, it costs um, of, of people who are trying to get access to or should have access to knowledge of um, a, a very, very helpful treatment that they're being told they're not entitled to hear about. Once again, if you have a question, push the star button and then the pound button on your telephone. We've got two questions pending, then our lines are wide open. We've mentioned a couple uh, websites and, a, and an email address. I'm going to repeat those in case you were caught off guard. Uh, the, the project's website is regproject.org. And if you have some examples or any feedback you want to give by email, the email address is hello at regproject.org. With that, let's take another call. Hello, hello. My name is Eric Wanger, W-A-N-G-E-R. I'm in Chicago. Um, I'm an I'd like to offer a comment and then a question, if that's all right. Um, Please go right ahead, yeah. Thanks. Well, I have been in a seven-year battle with the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, a battle which was actually just featured on the front page of the New York Times business section a week and a half ago. Um, I have... I was a financial services entrepreneur in Chicago, and I literally had three businesses put out of business by the SEC, only one of them even a direct 
target of the investigation that they were launching against me. Uh, I found I was, you know, I, I was, I'll say, arm twisted into taking a sanction. That sanction should have ended in 2013. Uh, but not, you know, not only not only was I out of business then, but the sanction for reasons I still can't explain is still in force in 2017. Uh, Gretchen Morganson of the New York Times actually did a very interesting story about this. She analyzed it, and I recommend everybody to read it. Uh, I have, I'm, I'm glad to know that you guys are at this because I have been working now. I pu- I've put together my own project, which I'll, which will be the subject of my question in a second. But my project is called the $2,200 Man 2200dollarman.org. Please look at my website. I have a blog. Um, one of the things I've done on that website is I've put some sample lit- you know, we, we've proposed an amendment to the Securities and Exchange Act to allow people the right to federal courts if they're accused of anything that's going to take away their careers. Uh, we've put uh, potential questions for any regular uh, for any nominees to the SEC, but the questions would clearly work for other agencies as well. Um, and we we post relevant information. I'd also offer up my services if you're interested in any help in getting your website up and going because I've been doing it for a number of years. Um, the the question that I have is, I have been fighting now in the SEC, what I call the SEC's in-house funhouse. Uh, it's really been a very Kafka-esque uh, adventure and. I am just about now at the point in which I'm about to get my final appeal heard by the SEC Commission over this sanction that should have ended for almost five years ago. Um, one question that I have for you is, right? That, that believe it or not, my, the, this appeal, which basically is whether or not I get my career in finance back, is currently expected to be an ex parte proceeding. In other words, neither me nor my attorney are even going to be asked or allowed to be present. So my my entire career is going to be put in front of the commission by the people who made it their business to destroy my business. And right, we are we are putting a motion forward demanding that my attorney has the right to appear and present arguments at my hearing. And believe it or not, we expect that to fail. So one question I would ask you is if you have any ideas or thoughts on how I could obtain the right for me or my attorney to be present at my hearing. Uh, That's one very specific one. The other one is much broader, which is that I'm assuming that we will lose. I'm assuming that they're going to say that my career is not in the interest of public policy and therefore my sanction will remain permanent. My one-year sanction that uh, I should never have been forced into in the first place, please read my website or Gretchen's article, I recommend it. We're probably going to end up in federal court. And the interesting thing in the case of the SEC, as you probably know, is that there's a split in federal circuits now about the whole rights and roles of these administrative law judges. Um, but in addition to that, just the entire due process uh, 
what I would call the due process obscenity at the SEC and lots of the other agencies, um, I may end up being a test case. If I am forced to go to federal court, this is going to be, we're going to be suing under the APA, under the Tucker Act. We're going to be bringing basic constitutional litigation. And I am going to need amicus briefs. And most importantly, I might even need some assistance with lawyers and funding. Uh, I've got Jeff Fisher of the Stanford Law School Constitutional Law Project uh, who's offered to help me. I've got Tom Showbloom, who was with the SEC for 20 years. I've got Joe Grunfest, who's a former SEC commissioner. They're all on my team. But I may actually, I may actually be faced with you know millions of dollars of legal expenses. And if there's any way that I could join forces with you, especially with being able to get uh, legal resources uh, that I don't want to be able to spend, I, I, I am more than willing to take this all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court if I have to. I just can't fund the whole thing out of pocket. And so one request is maybe maybe there's some way you could please look at the $2,200man.org project and see if it might be a useful test case for what you're trying to do because um, I may be smallest, I may be the smallest offender in the history of the Securities Exchange Commission, and in exchange for that, I received a permanent bar from the industry. Uh, well, I'm this is. I'll stop there. This is no, no worries. I I appreciate hearing your story. This is this is Dean Reuter. Um, The Federal Society, unfortunately, doesn't. uh, Well, maybe not unfortunately, but the Federal Society doesn't litigate. So we're we're not in a position to provide litigation support in any of these activities. Uh, We're not, certainly not without sympathy. And of course, our members all over the country do this. Uh, You mentioned your team. Some of those uh, names are familiar to us, of course. Um, And there might be uh, other ways we could put you in touch with members of ours who, who would be anxious to help out in one capacity or, or another. Um, in your in your story, you mentioned um, some what seemed like separation of powers issues to me and due process issues. Boyden, I don't know if you want to take a moment to respond to to some of what you heard there, but this is uh, this is a the typical kind of story we're trying to to get to. Yeah, this is exactly right on point, right in the bullseye, no question about it. The abuse of the ALJ, administrative uh, law judge, um, problem, uh, lack of representation, lack of uh, right to uh, be heard, uh, not being tried before an Article Three judge where certain rules are observed that ALJs ignore. So this is right in the bullseye, and I'm, what what I will do is make sure that um, and Dean will I sure have Devin uh, to get this integrated into the materials that we're going to be releasing so that we can help uh, ventilate uh, publicly what you're facing uh, because this is exactly what uh, exactly what we're trying to do and uh, and I'm pleased at least uh, that we surfaced you in this podcast to help explain to the listeners, to our listeners, uh, what's going on, because this is exactly the process we hope to uh, uh, to be um, advancing. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. 
Uh, and Devin mentioned at the outset we're trying to find stories to tell on film and in a documentary. Uh, you might not be a good candidate for that, given the fact that your matter is still pending. But uh, one thing we've struggled to find is people who have gone through the system uh, and, and then are willing to speak about it afterwards. So, uh, well, well I might, me. I might, I might add, I'm actually currently in conversations with a documentary filmmaker who recently, you, you, maybe, maybe you can contact me offline. But I'm, in, I have. I'm working with a doc- I'm talking to a documentary filmmaker who just finished his second film quite specifically on uh on due process and interesting. Federal. Yeah, let's take this let's take this offline if you don't mind. Um maybe you could reach out to us at the at the uh the email address that Devin uh, and I have both given. That's hello at regproject.org. If you reach us there, we'll get back in touch with you. Okay, thank you. Terrific. Um uh, moving on, if you have a question, push the star button, then the pound button on your telephone. We've got just one question pending, then our lines are wide open. Let's check in with our next caller. Yeah, this is Trent Bolden in Oklahoma City. Looks like you have an exciting and timely project going. And uh wonder, is the Federal Communications Commission on your radar screen? Uh, Kevin, you me- want to take that? Sound like Boyding was going to cut in there, but okay, the short, short answer is yes. Everything's on the table here. Um, I, I uh, appreciate Dean for supplementing uh, my remarks and saying that we're looking at uh, we're looking at rules and regulations that are extremely burdensome uh, on entrepreneurs, on innovators, on our economy at all levels of government. We're, we're taking this thing completely holistically. Um, uh, anything that can be viewed as being a burden within the regulatory state or the administrative state is on the table. It's fair game. Yes, absolutely. It's a short answer. Boyden, were you going to chime in there? Uh, well, yes, I, 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 I was. We, I'm sure the the caller who understands that the new FCC chairman is going to try to undo the the latest horror story from the FCC. The so-called net neutrality rule. So the role that the Federalist Society might play, or it's not Federalist Society per se, but its um, membership and its uh, <clears throat> supporters, to challenge, which which we've engaged in, I'm part of a challenge to the net neutrality rules. That challenge is sort of moving away because I think Pi, the new chairman, is going to undo it in ways that, would be completely satisfactory to to our uh, to our clients, but it's important to understand that all the arguments that get made, all the statements that get um, put out, uh, op-eds that get written uh, by whomever uh, is, is affected, uh, can have a big impact. And it turns out that uh, even though um, I is trying to reverse this <clears throat> this um, really really uh, dampening uh, regulation. The investment in, uh, in in the internet dropped precipitously after uh, the program was adopted under Obama. Uh, that's a scary thing because the internet's been the source of such great growth in the United States. To see all of a sudden a sudden drop in investment in the internet is a very scary thing. So. Uh, we're very pleased that it's going to happen anyway, and we hope it's going to happen. 
um, anyway, but it helped, I think, to have briefs in complaining about this before the election, and as a result, it produced some of the litigation, produced um, a, a couple of key dissents uh, from a denial of a rehearing uh, in the case. The, the, the original panel um, of the D.C. Circuit approved the rule. It was an appeal to the full on-bank court. Uh, the court denied a rehearing, but there still were two dissents saying, well, it isn't really over yet. We don't know whether Pi is going to be able to complete what he wants to do, and we want to be on record. And those two dissents then prompted the majority to write a rebuttal. That's how powerful uh, the arguments were against what the FCC had done. And those two dissents by Janice Rogers Brown uh, and by Brett Kavanaugh if you can locate them, find them, I'm sure the Federal Society can help you just contact Devin or contact Dean or maybe contact me if you can locate me, but you know how to get to the Federal Society. Those two dissents really lay out um, the theoretical problems with uh, this vast administrative state. And so uh, the FCC is a good ex example. I, I'm not sure. I, would, I know which one I like more, the FCC or the previous caller uh, about the ALJ problem and the SEC problem. I don't know which is a better example, but these are examples that they're explained in simple terms that I think would, would, would maybe outrage the average citizen and uh, really lend support to, uh, to the effort now to wind all this back and put you know Americans back in charge of their, of their, of their futures and, and keep these so-called bureaucrats, uh, expert bureaucrats, out of their knickers. Uh, it would be uh, a big, a big, big help. So the FCC and the SEC are two huge offenders. They do it in ways that are hard for the average layman to understand, but uh, the two callers that have come on the phone just in the last 15 minutes, half hour, um, are just exactly what we'd like to see sprout up all over the country um, making making their complaints known to their senators, their congressmen, and their local, the mayors, their city councils, or whatever. Because as we've said, many of the problems are state-originated, uh, not necessarily originated in Washington. We've got about six minutes left. Two questions pending now have just come up on the board, so let's see. I'm going to ask the callers to be as, as concise as possible with their questions, see if we can get to both of them. Go ahead, caller. Uh, yes. Uh I wanted to ask, would the panelists agree that uh, a uh, legislative cure in terms of mandating a cost-benefit analysis for virtually every reg be a uh, useful and, and certainly constitutionally correct way to cut back a lot of this damage? Well, let me just jump in and say that it would be a great help to get such a statute. Many versions of it have already been introduced and some passed already by the House but, but get blocked in the Senate. Uh, the problem is, is that, is that you, you, can't, you, you can't find it, uh, find an easy way to get around the filibuster 60-vote requirement in the Senate. Uh, so I don't know when we, we're going to be able to do this or when the public's going to be able to get it done. But I will say this, that uh, 
uh, anybody interested in this issue should pay close attention to Scalia's, uh, shortly before he died, uh, opinion in a, in a case called Michigan versus the United States, where uh, he basically said that uh, the relation of costs and benefits could be um, uh, a violation of the Administrative Procedure Act if there's a big disparity, could be attacked, could be um, the grounds for reversal of a rule, even if um, there is no statutory requirement for the use of cost-benefit analysis. That, in other words, that it would be irrational and arbitrary to ignore these basic factors as a matter of the Administrative Procedure Act. So uh, I think you, you're on to something good, but I would press it in litigation even without um, the statute you're talking about. I do know this is Dean. Uh, we've got one question pending. I do know with regard to cost-benefit analysis, some of those legislative proposals, at least in the past, have required two things that, that aren't necessarily always done. One, uh, third-party cost-benefit analysis. That is, the cost-benefit analysis would be conducted not by the agency sponsoring the regulation to give it a more uh, higher glean and, and, and reality of independence. Uh, and second, uh, cost-benefit analysis look-back, uh, so some sort of retrospective uh, analysis 5, 10, 15 years later to see if the cost-benefit analysis was originally correct and still holding. Uh, we've got one question pending, three minutes left, so let's turn now to our final question of the day. I want This is a follow-up question from Eric, the $2,200 man. Uh, one of the strangest phenomenon I've observed, maybe you could comment on it or even offer some suggestions. I've reached out to many members of Congress. Uh, neither of my own senators have offered me an ounce of support, but I've even gotten, but I have gotten some theoretical uh, compassion and interest from members of Congress, but we have a situation in which after what happened to Proxmire and some other specific things, members of Congress are terrified to get involved directly in the business of any of the administrative agencies to the point where they almost say, talk to the hand. They are so worried about getting sanctioned that Ironically, Congress is the only people that can solve this problem, and currently they're terrified to get involved. Uh, do you have any suggestions? Sounds like a question for Boyden Gray. Boyden? Well, you've <laughs> really pinpointed one of the one of the, the challenges of this whole project. That's why that's in part why we're doing this. We know that the um, that a lot of members of Congress would just as soon kick the problem of. <laughs> proverbial can down the down the road and let the regulatory agency handle it um, so that they don't have to worry about it politically. And this, of course, is one of the reasons why um, the regulatory state has gone wild, because there is no constraint. And so we hope that what we're going to be able to do is get the congressman back on the job again to watch, to watch out and to control and to oversee what is happening. So you you have put your finger on a real problem, and that's one of the ones that one of the problems that we are trying to uh, unravel. Very good. We've got uh, just a minute left. I want to give uh, Boyden Gray and then Devin Westhill a chance to uh, provide any final thoughts. Boyden Gray, any any last thoughts before we adjourn? Well, I just I very much appreciate the questions that came from the audience, and if we can generate this kind of interest. Um, 
uh, around the country when this thing uh, gets really rolled out, uh, Dean and Devin, uh, we will have succeeded. So uh, this is this is promising to see this kind of response, and let's hope that we can provoke this around the country when uh, these papers are all finished. Devin Westhill, a final thought. Um, absolutely, I I I, I paired everything that uh, Ambassador Gray just just said, and and I want to thank again all of our listeners for being on this early mid morning call, uh, and and for sharing your thoughts in the Q and A uh, and your questions. Uh, one one final thought is I I want to be very clear that if anyone's talking about this project in the media uh, or otherwise that tends to imply that we're against clean air or against clean water, safe food and medication, they're either not listening to us um, or they're being disingenuous uh, and they can be ignored. Now, what we're doing here is trying to invigorate something that's lacking in public dialogue. Um, um, so it, it, it's about good government. It's not a partisan or ideological issue. It's about being serious and honest and conscientious about scrutinizing or weighing the benefits and burdens of the regulatory state, uh, such that folks reinvigorate the idea that there's no such thing as a free lunch, that there is indeed uh, something that we're paying for this. And we ought to be very honest about it. Um, so we're not against, obviously, clean air and clean water. We all agree those are laudable goals, but we ought to determine whether or not we're achieving those goals and also determining and weighing what that's, uh, uh, that, that regulatory policy is, is costing us as well. So that's, that's what I would say. Thanks again for, for all the listeners. Uh, let me thank both our speakers today and uh, join Devin and Boyden in thanking the audience for dialing in. Uh, a reminder that we welcome your feedback on this project at hello at regproject.org. Also, uh, future regulatory transparency project teleform conference calls are going to be announced in the usual fashion for Federal Society members, but they're also going to be announced on the project's website. On behalf of the Federal Society, thank you all for joining us. Uh, but until our next call, we are adjourned. Thank you very much. On behalf of the Federalist Society's Regulatory Transparency Project, thanks for tuning in to Free Lunch. As always, you can subscribe on iTunes and Google Play to get new episodes of Free Lunch when they're published. Also, visit our website at regproject.org. That's R-E-G project.org. There, we regularly upload content in addition to our podcasts, such as short videos and papers. And you can join the discussion by sharing your story of how regulation has personally affected you. Until next time, remember, there's no such thing as a free lunch. This has been a FedSoc audio production. 